This is Tani Talks Radio, the year where we talk a topic for the week for the audience members to keep. When we talk about different topics, different aspects, and different things in life, a lot of times I like to relate it to different things that apply to different aspects of the year. This is a very high time now in Elul, just about two weeks away to Rosh Hashanah. I also apologize for my unwarranted background host. She does not like to go to sleep, so she's screaming until she hopefully makes herself go to sleep up there in her room. Apologize about that as well. But in general, this time of year, when we come to Elo, we think about Anila Dodi Vidodi Li. I am to my beloved, my beloved is to mine. What can we do to be closer to Hashem? I talked about last week on the Parsha show, the Parsha Shir, how we should beautify the mitzvahs, have beautiful aspects for beautiful Tashmisha mitzvah, things that we use for mitzvahs, the tefillin, the candles, the ner, the nerot. Whether we have a talis or whatever we're using, it should be beautiful, it should be fantastic, and it should be terrific. Elo is a high time that a lot of people have specifically get their tefillin and talism checked or clean and our guy is actually coming to our shul this week I god willing i signed up after a very early meeting i told him please check my straps please replace them if they're ripped if you can that would be fantastic because we want the mitzvahs to be beautified we want to be close to hashem we want it to be a good year a year which big things happen and that's kind of our slogan i told my wife for this year i hope big things are happening this year good things happy things wonderful safe things for all of us only good things and tefillin themselves are a beautiful way to connect to Hashem the Talis too which hopefully we'll talk about maybe next time gotta find the notes but the film themselves we bind ourselves to Hashem we say these beautiful psukim that we'll talk about as well Tfilin is really an amazing mitzvah it can be life altering it could be life changing and it could be life saving my own tefillin are quite large they're actually my dad's who passed away when i was only nine my dad was a balchuva got his tefillin from chabad they are a whopping size 41 maybe 42 but probably 41 it's quite hard to find cases for the tefillin especially the silver ones i've been looking for and wanting for years even silver plated would be nice i once found like silver like pure silver the whole thing like for two grand i'm like no i love doing the mitzvah Hashem, but that's a little much. He sent it to us, maybe, but otherwise it's very intense. I did find plastic ones at least to replace the ones that were breaking apart. The cases themselves around the tefillin. It's even harder to find the cases because I'm also left-handed. I'm blessed to be left-handed. We talked about that in a different episode. We might talk about that again. Left-handedness. So when you have that aspect, that, that ability, not only are they lefty, Bar Hashem, but they're also quite large, size 41. So it's hard to find that exactly. But if people have smaller ones, there's ways to beautify. You want to get the, the at least the plastic ones that look like silver, ways to beautify the film, beautify the mitzvahs, have nice cases, shining cases to show that you give beloved aspects. If you have a card that is from lots and lots of years ago, La Havda, you have Joe DiMaggio's card. You put him in the in the put him in the in the safe. You put it in the dresser as E.B. Rottenberg talks about in his song and he belovedly put it away because it was worth so much but at the end of the song he proves there are things that are worth much more than that his own friend's card the Rosh Yeshiva card so to a mitzvah if we could spend X on a baseball card or a video game or an aspect or something that we have for the house or the car how much more so we should spend on a beautiful mitzvah that of tefillin itself and talis and all these other ones it's really a beautiful way to connect to hashem we should beautify in the ways we can and it's really a way to to get closer to hashem it really can actually save a person's life in fact there are some stories to prove it yeshiva world reports from november 2021 
An incredible nace occurred during the deadly terror attack near the Kosel on a Sunday morning in November of 2021 when the life of Rabbi Ze'ev Katzen Ellenbogen was saved due to a bullet striking the exact place of his tefillin shalyad saving his life. Rabbi Katzen Ellenbogen, 46, a father of eight and a resident of the Jewish quarter of the old city, was on his way back from Shachris at the Kosel, the western wall, the last remnant of the Mikdash, the temple. He was still wrapped in his talus and tefillin when he heard the sound of shooting. He later told Channel 13 News from his bed in Hadassah Ain Karen Hospital, I was going home from Shacharis, still wrapped in my talus and tefillin. I heard gunshots and chaos. I didn't really understand what was going on, but I realized that there was an incident. Suddenly, I felt a sharp pain in my right arm, right at the place of my tefillin. When I realized what happened, I immediately returned towards the Kosel Plaza so I would be in a safe place. I understand what a great nace I experienced. I could have lost my life in a second, God forbid. The tefillin is opposite the heart. There's a connection to Hashem and you feel protected. It was an extremely powerful experience. So tefillin really are life straps, the straps of life. Tefillin are really a way to connect to Hashem, a life-saving type of a mitzvah in more ways than one. RavBerlin.com points out, R-A-V-B-E-R-L-A-N-D, you can merit to have a long life via the mitzvah of laying tefillin, all in the merit of putting on tefillin. The moment you get up, you have to put on tefillin. And we've talked about it in the past, but there's a way to shift different responsibilities, different aspects in life. I have to take care of should be replaced by I get to take care of. You take out the word have and change it to get. We've talked about it many times in many different episodes, but always bears repeating. It really is a life change. It's a seismic shift, and it really makes your whole day seem different, but seem it better and more uplifted. I have to take out the garbage, or I get to take out the garbage and to keep a clean house. I have to take care of my kids, or I get to take care of my kids. It's a beautiful thing, a beautiful zechus to be able to do so. I have to put on tefillin. No, you get to put on tefillin as well. Once there was a story about a bachar, a young man who screamed tefillin, tefillin, much louder than that, again and again and again. This story happened in the United States, in New York. He started screaming about his tefillin over and over and over again, and everyone started shouting. And there was a bachar there who, after he got on the plane, remembered that he'd forgotten his tefillin. So he started screaming, tefillin, where are my tefillin? Where are they? You won't fly without my tefillin. Bring me my tefillin. I'm not flying without my tefillin. The plane will not depart without my tefillin. I won't let you. So the pilot comes over to him and says, What's happening? Get out of here. You won't fly. And your tefillin also won't fly. The bacher says back, No, I will fly. And my tefillin will also fly. This is what he said. So the pilot opened the door threw him out of the plane, he rolled over, and the plane took off and never returned. That plane, that exact plane, collided with the second building of the Twin Towers. In the merit of his tefillin, the Bachar was saved from being on board that disastrous, terrible, tragic flight. Because without your tefillin, you can't fly. 
What's more, because he delayed the plane from taking off, a hundred thousand people were saved. How? Because in those 17 minutes that he delayed the plane, a hundred thousand people managed to escape from the second building in 2001 on 9-11 because they had heard that a plane had collided with the other building. The Tefillin have a special, unique merit, a special, unique ability to save a life, to save your life, to save other people's lives. And that comes from Rabbi Vigler on Chabedic.com, as well as from Mendy and Pollock on Chabad.org explains as well in the following story. After my father and father-in-law both passed away, which I'm from Sashings, within the span of two years, <coughs> their tone, excuse me, ended up in my house, he explains, when they sat on a shelf undisturbed for decades. At the time of the writing, around two months before that, he said to himself, these tefillin are sacred. They were used for a mitzvah for so many years. I am sure they can still be used by someone else. He decided to send them to a scribe who inspected them both to ensure that they were in fine condition. The day the tefillin came back from the scribe, it was a Monday, he put them in a bag and hung it up next to the front door so that he would not forget about those tefillin. That afternoon, around 3 p.m., he was home, which was somewhat unusual for him. He heard a knock on the door and was greeted by a meshulach, an alms collector, someone collecting for the poor, from Israel, who was raising money for his daughter's forthcoming wedding. He invited him in, gave him a snack and a cold drink, which by itself is a lesson in how to care for those who are fundraising. Sometimes people not only can't give, which is understandable, not everybody can give, but to, to, to shoot them away like a rat, which you never know from such things, to, to shoot them away like an animal. He literally had them sit down, eat a snack, eat a cold drink. It probably was a hot day, and the person was thirsty, which is a nice kindness lesson in itself, and then sent him away with a check in his hand. So not only does he feed his wallet, feed his collection, but he feeds his soul by giving him kindness, letting him sit, letting him have a drink, letting him have a snack. We shall be zocha to raise ourselves up to a level to think in such a way to help such a person. So he sends him away with some food in his belly, drink in his stomach, and some check in his hand. As he walked him to the door, he remarked that in a few weeks, his son would be celebrating his bar mitzvah, and he had no idea how he would find the money with which to purchase a pair of tefillin. I don't know how much the going rate is nowadays, but I'm sure it's at least five to eight hundred for a basic pair, up to a couple of thousand for a mahudr, mahudr, mahudr pair. <coughs> a lot of money for someone that doesn't have money. And he's already raising money for probably his oldest wedding. So he has a wedding and a bar mitzvah coming up in the same span of a couple of weeks. So how is he going to get money for the bar mitzvah, for the bar mitzvah boy? He says he's lived in this neighborhood for 40 years and many collectors have come to the door, but this is the first time... He recalled anyone asking for money for tefillin. Overjoyed, he stuck his hand into the bag, this is the author, into the bag and handed him a pair of freshly checked tefillin for his son. Laughing and crying at the same time, he expressed his gratitude and joy over this amazing turn of events. He then confided that his sister and brother-in-law would soon be making a bar mitzvah as well, and neither did they have money for tefillin. Without further ado, I scooped out, the author says, the second pair of tefillin and handed it 
to the man. The only regret he had in his great excitement was that he neglected to ask the Tzadaka collector for his name and contact information. How beautiful. The second he checks both pairs of tefillin, ensuring that they're kosher, mehudar, a man comes and he needs tefillin, and his sister needs tefillin, and literally he saved both of them to be able to do this tremendous mitzvah for people embarking on the Jewish journey, becoming real men, bar mitzvah, for both of them. How beautiful within that same day. The following morning, the author's wife and himself woke up early to visit their daughter who lived in Waterbury, Connecticut at the time, 80 miles to the northeast of where they were in Queens, in New York City. Apparently, they were both more tired than they thought. They both dozed off, awaking abruptly on the road when they crashed into the guardrail. The car was totaled, was ravaged, but they walked out without a scratch. The state trooper could not believe it when he looked at, uh, at them and then the car. And he looked at them and then the car. Never in his life had he seen people survive such an accident with nary an injury. The car wrecked. The car totaled. The two people walk out without a scratch. The author felt it must have been connected to the tefillin. After 30 years of disuse... They were finally arranged to be used once again to be cared for, to be loved, and to be wrapped around every morning, every day. The following morning, that literally the next morning after he gave away both sets of tefillin that were waiting for their new owners, that following morning, the terrible crash, his wife and himself were saved from a terrible accident. We should never know from such things. A friend of the author drew his attention to the story in the Talmud concerning a man known as Elisha, the winged, the winged one. I forget the exact terminology in the Talmud, but it's something like Elisha Hadov, something like that, related to the winged one. Why was he known as the winged one? In his time, the wicked government, referring to Rome, decreed that any Jew who wore tefillin on his head would have his brain pierced. Undeterred, Elisha bravely wore tefillin in the marketplace. He once saw that he had been spotted by the government-appointed observers with his tefillin on his head, and he ran away as fast as he could. The man caught up to him, but not before Elisha slipped the tefillin off his head and clutched it tightly in his hands. I'm assuming his tefillin were not size 41, probably much smaller that it could fit in his hands clutched tightly. What do you have in your hand? asked the soldier harshly. Elisha answered, Oh, just the wings of a dove. Oh, yes, sneered the stranger. Open your hands and prove it. Left with no choice, Elisha opened his palms. A miracle occurred, and the tefillin had become dove's wings. Why of all objects in the world did the tefillin become dove's wings? The Talmud replies, Just as the wings of a dove protect it, so do the mitzvahs protect the people of Israel. The tefillin, again, saved a life. Elisha, wearing the tefillin in defiance of the Roman decrees, he takes off his tefillin, he puts it in his hands, and they miraculously, literally, turn into this wonderful, wonderful aspect of the tefillin. It turns into a 
symbol, it turns into the idea, the ability to be this aspect for the person, for this great sage. The tefillin can save a life. The tefillin does save a life. The tefillin is the connection to Hashem. The tefillin bind us to Hashem. Quite literally, it brings us to the ability to connect to Hashem, to be involved in the aspect of Hashem, and to be able to find a way that we can bring ourselves closer to Hashem, that we could find our ability to be bound to Hashem by using such a aspect, such a creation, such a wonderful, wonderful element. We're going to look at the blessings, God willing, a little bit later when we actually put on the tefillin. We have the zechus to put on the tefillin, the, the putting on the tefillin, the, what we say before and what we say when we actually put it on. But fascinating what we see, stories of the tefillin, stories of hashkach pratis in and of itself. Miracles302.com, M-E-R-K-O-S-302.com, and Anash.org, N-A-S-H.org, and Chabad, from a couple of years ago, talks about, from Rabbi Yehuda Dukes, a remarkable story of Hashkacha Pratis. One Friday, on one Friday, Friday, Rabbi Yehuda Dukes, director of JNET, got a call from Gil in North Bend, Oregon. About 15 years ago, Chaim Hershkowitz, whom many know as the creator of the beloved Torah Treasure videos, met him while on Miracle Shlichus there. With his help, Gil celebrated excuse me, his bar mitzvah and began learning with a Janet Chavrusa. During their conversation, Gil mentioned an interesting story that began many years ago when he and his friend were finishing their service in the military. The two young men were walking along a bank of a river when they saw a car inside the water with a family stranded on the roof. Losing no time, they immediately jumped into action and were successful in saving the family, Baruch Hashem. Several years ago, Gil received a call from a man named Jay, a well-known television producer. He introduced himself, telling Gil that he was one of the children who had been rescued with his family from the river many years ago. He was calling Gil to ask him to appear on national television with him so that he could share their story and receive recognition for his heroic actions. Gil, in his typical unassuming way, declined. Jay decided to go up to North Bend to meet with and thank Gil anyway. When Rabbi Dukes heard the story, he said, Jay asked what he can do to thank you. Why don't you ask him to put on tefillin? He proceeded to tell him about a JNet campaign that was launched to inspire people to get others to do a mitzvah. Gil decided to do just that. He sent Jay a text message informing him that he would soon be going through a medical procedure and that would mean a lot to him if Jay would put on tefillin in his zechus. I have tefillin somewhere and I will look for them today, Jay responded, with or without tefillin. I'll be asking our king for nothing but good for your test. Because when you're involved in these stories, when you're involved in Ashkacha Pratis, the tefillin themselves can be the lifeline, can be the lifeboat to connect you to Hashem, to elevate you to Hashem, and to be a life strap in the straps of life for you in your own life. The Detroit Jewish News points out something very interesting. Wearing tefillin improves your heart function and may even save your life, a study shows. A study conducted by researchers at the University of Cincinnati, UC College of Medicine, suggests that Jewish men who put on tefillin every morning may receive cardiovascular health benefits. We don't do it for that, but how cool is that? 
The ritual, which involves the tight wrapping of an arm with leather banding as part of daily prayer, may generate remote ischemic preconditioning, RIC, that results in protection during heart attacks. We should never know such things. Everybody should be happy, healthy, now, and always have some shana. RIC is an experimental method of protecting the heart and other organs by temporarily restricting blood flow, triggering the body's natural protective mechanisms against tissue damage caused by low oxygen levels. Jack Rubenstein, MD, associate professor in the Division of Cardiovascular Health and Disease and a UC Health cardiologist, says he studied 20 Jewish men living in greater Cincinnati, 9 who wear tefillin daily and 11 who don't, all aged 18 to 40 and all in good health. His researchers recorded the participants' vital signs, drew blood for analysis of circulating cytokines, and monocyte function and also measured blood flow in the arm not wrapped with tefillin during the early morning and then after wearing tefillin for 30 minutes. We found people who wear tefillin in either the short or long term recorded a measurable positive effect on their blood flow that has been associated with better outcomes in heart disease, as Rubenstein explains. Blood flow was higher for men who wore tefillin daily and improved in all participants after wearing it just once, explained Rubenstein. Men who wore tefillin daily also had fewer circulating cytokines, signaling molecules that cause inflammation and negatively impact the heart, than non-users, indicating that daily use elicits an effect similar to that observed with other methods of eliciting remote ischemic preconditioning-like effect. Researchers have studied preconditioning by inducing small heart attacks in animals and found that they protected the animal from large and more serious heart attacks in the future. The same preconditioning could be used by partially blocking blood flow in one part of the body and thus serving as a protective element in another part of the body to lessen the injury, as Rubenstein explains. The problem with translating this to people is we don't know when someone will have that, or should never have that, in general, in life. It's almost impossible to precondition someone unless they're willing to do something daily to themselves. But tefillin, in fact, may offer protection as it's worn on an almost daily basis. Rubenstein says that there are also studies that have found Jewish Orthodox men have a lower risk of other aspects compared to non-Orthodox men due to the use of tefillin daily and this is something that could be done in a daily regimen. So not only did Hashem know many years ago that it is a supreme spiritual connection, but it's also physically beneficial on many levels. Again, we don't eat kosher because it might be healthy for some aspects, maybe in some aspect. We do it because Hashem commanded it, because God told us to do it. But how wonderful, how interesting to see that there are different aspects of what feeling can have in life in many different ways. Maybe for all of these reasons, Chabad is so good at and so keen on getting people, any Jewish male, to put on tefillin all the times daily around the world. They try their hardest, and I give them major credit. I don't have the ability, you know, I could be called tactless Tani many times, but I don't have the ability, the energy, to literally go up to people and ask them if they put on tefillin. But this is very good for many different people that do this. It's a beautiful thing. Interestingly, Rabbi Nachman Seltzer points out, a true role model of mine himself, in the Zerah Shimshon Eishas Chayom, he talks about this very interesting thing. Rabbi Shlomo Reichenberg lived through the Holocaust, suffering like so many members of Klausel. At one point, he was sent to a relatively small concentration camp with a population of some 3,000 inmates. There he tried to stay under the radar as best he could. One day, as he was walking outside his barracks, he was suddenly set upon by a Jew he did not know, a man he had never spoken to, a total stranger to him. 
Inexplicably and without warning, this stranger began punching and beating him to the point where he literally caused him to bleed. Shlomo couldn't understand why he was being attacked. What are you doing? The man continued hitting him with his fist. Stop hitting me! He cried, but the Jew carried on, beating Shlomo with all his might. It took a while, but the beating finally came to an end. Blood was flowing from his wounds, and he was in agony. Why did you hit me? He demanded. I don't even know you. That doesn't matter, the other replied. It does matter. I don't understand. Why did you lift up your fists and hurt me and hit me? You will now come with me to Barrack 10, the stranger said. There we will learn the truth about you and why I just beat you up. It was obvious that he wasn't being given a chance or a choice. Shlomo Reichenberg followed his attacker to Barrack 10, wondering what lay in store for him. And it didn't take long for Shlomo to understand why they were going to Barrack 10. One of the prisoners housed there was the Jew who served as the unofficial arbitrator of all the disagreements, arguments, and fights within the camp. Shlomo's attacker was leading him to this man to be judged for what he still did not know. They were allowed into the barrack and brought before the quote-unquote judge. What is the nature of your disagreement, he asked them. Shlomo spoke first. I was walking outside my barrack this morning, he began, when this man, he pointed at his attacker, began beating me up for no reason. He punched me and slapped me and made me bleed, and I don't even know why. I've never seen him before, and I've certainly never exchanged two words with him, certainly didn't do anything to him, yet he decided to attack me unprovoked and for no obvious reason. The judge, quote-unquote, turned to the attacker. What do you have to say for yourself? I have a very good reason for hitting this man, the attacker said. Yes? I saw him smiling to himself as he stood outside the barracks, not once, but twice. So what if he was smiling, the judge asked. Why is that a reason to attack him? Let's analyze the situation, the man said. Everyone in the camp is slowly starving to death. The Nazis, Yimach Shemam, barely give us enough food to keep body and soul together. Now, you and I both know that people who are starving do not smile. And yet, I saw this man smiling, as I said, not once, but twice. Let's take a minute to understand what that means. If he is smiling, then it stands to reason he isn't starving, because starving people do not smile. Yet, how is it possible that he isn't starving? when every single inmate is suffering from not having enough to eat. The answer is simple. The reason he isn't starving is because he is working with the Nazis, who are giving him extra rations as a reward for his collaboration. I am sure you will agree that a Nazi collaborator deserves to be beaten even worse than the beating I gave this man. That is why I attacked him. The judge turned back to Shlomo and said, He makes a strong argument, or at least raises a solid question. How do you respond? Shlomo looked at the judge and at his attacker, and at the judge and then at his attacker, and made the decision to tell them the secret that lay behind his smile. You have just accused me of being a Nazi, a collaborator, he told the attacker. You made the erroneous calculation that seeing me smile I must be working with them, with the enemy, since only then could I have enough food? What if you were wrong? What if a person can, in fact, smile for reasons that have nothing to do with having enough food? I will explain what I am talking about. A few months ago, I and a few of my friends were somehow able to get hold of a pair of tefillin. I cannot go into the details of how we managed to do this, 
But since that great day, I've been able to don a pair of tefillin every single morning. When you saw me smile, I was thinking about the fact that I have had the merit to wear tefillin here, even here, in this terrible place, in this dreadful place, and how my connection with Hashem, with God, with the Rabbono Sholom is still intact, even here, even in this form of Gehenna. That is why I smiled, not once, but twice. It had nothing to do with food. It had nothing to do with rations. It had nothing to do with collaboration. It had everything to do with the satisfaction that I receive, that I get from my ongoing connection with Hashem. I am so lucky. I am so lucky. I have a pair of tefillin to put on every morning. As a Jewish man who has been granted such incredible good fortune, how can I not smile? Needless to say, the judge ruled in favor of Rev. Shlomo Reichenberg. How beautiful to look at life in such a way, to be in the most dreadful place, to be in the most terrible place, in the most tragic place, in the most, really, Gehenna on earth place, and to have such an outlook, to have such a way of looking at life, to have such a way of looking at the ability, looking at the connection, looking at the beautiful aspect to think that you have the privilege, the ultimate privilege to put on tefillin, to have tefillin, the straps of life to connect you to Hashem. How wonderful to look at that and how wonderful to think that we should try to connect to Hashem in that way. Even if we could just elevate the mitzvah in a small way. So I'm not telling you to get new candlesticks. I'm not telling you to change the whole bag. Maybe get a more beautiful bag that's not ripping, that's not old, that's not decrepit, that's not jagged or whatever, but that you personalize yourself. You find a beautiful bag, a beautiful carrying case that's not ripped, that doesn't have holes, and that's not from a long time ago, that you pick out with your own style, and that you can do what you can to elevate the tefillin. Make sure that you check them twice in seven years like you're supposed to do mezuzos. Make sure you check your talis and make sure you see that it's all good and you clean it every once in a while and think about the connection, how you can elevate it. If your cases are faklemt, are fakakt, fix it, change it, elevate it. These are literally life straps. These are literally saving life straps. We've shown you, we've proved to you with real life cases, examples, stories, beautiful uplifting stories from the Gemara, from life, from the past years, literally saves lives, literally changed lives, tefillin, literally has Hashem embedded in them, the beautiful parashios, in the tefillin, the, the aspect of Kadosh Libachor and Shema and all the other parashios that are there in the Yad and in the Rosh, literally connections to Hashem and has Shakai for the Shin. Connecting to Hashem, you're literally connecting to Hashem. The Gemara sages used to get the privilege of wearing it all day, and it was a privilege. And they were saddened to take them off when it became nighttime. They were saddened to take it off to go to the bathroom, or to lie down alive because they couldn't control their body functions when using them. We, nowadays, are not on that level. We only get to wear it. You know, for those who have to daven at home, or those who daven in the shul, you only get to wear it for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 minutes, an hour. How beautiful to think about the connection to them and how beautiful to think about what we're saying and what we're involved and how we're connected to them. Listen to what we say, and I'm going to say it in English, when we put on the tefillin. A lot of people think about 
what we say when we're involved in the in the aspect. Some people rush to catch up to put on the tefillin. Some people rush through the motions, through the actions. They don't realize it's a beautiful connection to Hashem. Savor in it. Listen to the words. Listen to the aspect. L'shem yuchud. For the sake of the unification of Hashem and His presence in fear and love to unify the name. Yudke Vavke, in perfect unity in the name of all of Israel, in putting on tefillin, Hineni Mechavein, I intend to fulfill the commandment of my Creator, who has commanded us to put on tefillin, as is upon the written in the Torah, behind them as a sign upon your arm, and let them be tefillin between your eyes. These four portions contained in the tefillin, Shema, from Devarim, Perig Vav, Psukim, Dalad, Tetet. Number two, it will come to pass if you will listen. Vahaya kiviacha im shma. I don't think that's the correct verbiage, but it's from Devarim. Paragir alf psukim yud gimel to chaf alf. Kadesh li, sanctify me from shemos. Paragir gimel psukim alf two yud. And it will come to pass when he shall bring you. Vahaya kiviacha. That's the vahaya kiviacha. Kiviacha from shemos. Paragir gimel psukim yud alf to tetzayin. These are in the tefillin, contain his oneness and unity, may his name be blessed in the universe, so that we will remember the miracles and wonders that he did with us when he took us from Egypt. A lot of people say this before they put on the tefillin, before they say the brachos, and that he has the strength and dominion over those above and those below to do with them as he wishes. He has commanded us to put tefillin upon the arm, to recall the outstretched arm of the exodus, and that it be opposite the hearts that it will subjugate the desires and thoughts of our heart to his service. May his name be blessed upon the head opposite the brain. So the soul that is in my brain, together with all my senses and potentials, may all be subjugated to his service. May his name be blessed. May some of the spiritual influence of the commandment of Tzfilin be extended upon me, so that I have a long life, a flow of holiness and holy thoughts, without even an inkling of sin or inquity, that the evil inclination will not entice us or incite against us, so that it permits us to serve Hashem to our heart's desire. May it be your will, Hashem, our God, the God of our forefathers, that the commandment of putting on Tzfilin be considered as worthy before you, as if I had fulfilled it in all its details, implications, and intentions, as well as the 613 commandments that are dependent upon it. Amen. Selah. What? A beautiful prayer to say we put on the before we put on the tefillin, and of course we have the brachos. While we're standing while putting on the tefillin, you place the arm tefillin upon the biceps. Whether you're a lefty, you put on the right biceps, or if you're right, you put on the left biceps. Hold it in place, and you say this beautiful bracha: Baruch Atah Hashem, Elokeinu Melech Olam, Asher Kedushanu B'Mitzvosav Itzivanu Lehaniach Tefillin. Blessed are you, Hashem, our God, King of the Universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and has commanded us to put on tefillin. How beautiful to think about that we are connecting to Hashem. He commanded us and sanctified us in this beautiful privilege. Then you tighten the arm tefillin and you wrap the strap seven times. Why seven? Seven is a beautiful number. In Judaism, it's very, very connected to holiness. Without any interruption whatsoever, you put the head tefillin in place above the hairline opposite the space between the eyes. Before tightening the head tefillin, we say the second blessed. Baruch atah Hashem alokeinu melech olam. Asher kedushan al mitzvah tefillin. Blessed are you, Hashem, our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with His commandments and has commanded us regarding the commandment of tefillin. Then you tighten the tefillin and you say, Baruch Hashem Kavod and blessed be the name of His glorious kingdom for all eternity. And then we say two of my favorite, favorite things connected to the tefillin. Beautiful, beautiful psukim. I don't even say it right. Uh, 
by heart, but looking at the English from your wisdom, O Supreme God, may you imbue me from your understanding, give me understanding with your kindness, do greatly with me. With your power, cut down my foes and rebels. May you pour goodly oil upon the seven arms of the menorah, which we should be in the Mikdash again, to cause your good to flow to your creatures. May you open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. Beautiful, beautiful words that the sages instituted, but we say them so fast, and some people don't even say and they rush through them, that they're beautiful ways to connect to Hashem, to connect to the um, omniscience, the omnipotence of Hashem through this type of an implement of this wonderful, wonderful, holy, holy aspect. You wrap the strap around the middle finger, according to the custom. Many people have the custom to make a shin around the wrist itself, which is what I do. And then we have one of the most beautiful, beautiful psukim ever from comes from Navi, many psukim come from Tanakh but this one when you wrap the strap is beautiful, beautiful listen to this what a beautiful psukim listen to this I will betroth you to me forever I will betroth you to me with righteousness justice, kindness and mercy I'll betroth you to me with faithfulness and you shall know Hashem. The Jewish people and Hashem are looked at as a marriage relationship. Hashem took them under the Chuppah Kaviyachal at Har Sinai. Hashem is the groom and the, the Kala, the bride, is the Jewish people. So when we talk about connecting to Hashem, how can you connect to a spiritual essence? Torah says, how do you connect to Hashem who is like a binding fire? How can you connect to fire? The sages explain with mitzvahs, with chesed, with following in Hashem. Kiviyachal it talks about how Hashem wears tefillin, whatever that means. Moshe wanted to see Hashem's goodness after the, the sin of the golden calf, and Hashem tried, you know, Moshe tried getting the forgiveness from Hashem, and he wants, Harini Nasterakacha, Moshe says, show me your, your ways, and Hashem says, you can't see it, you can see my back, puts him in a cave, and somehow Moshe seems some vision of Hashem going away from him with the tefillin, shall relish the strap in the back, whatever that means. So Hashem himself is wearing them. We connect to Hashem through physical methods of doing beautiful things that we uplift through spirituality and, and kindness and mitzvahs. And the tefillin are a beautiful way to connect to Him. We're betrothing ourselves to Hashem. It's also a beautiful allegory for a husband and a wife in a marriage relationship, betrothing them to each other with righteousness and justice and kindness and mercy. Every marriage relationship should have that, but the relationship of the Jewish people to Hashem should have this. And if we just say these psukim every day, not even taking 20 minutes for them, just take 20 seconds, think about the beautiful words in the aspect of those ways, of those connections. And of course, afterwards, some people go through the actual psukim that are related to what's written in the tefillin. It's proper while wearing the tefillin to recite the four scriptural passages that are contained in the tefillin. Two of them are Shema and Vahayim Shema. It will come if you will listen, which are recited as part of Kriya Shema later in Davening. The other two passages many people say right away when wearing the tefillin that Hashem speaks to Moshe about sanctifying the firstborn, which of course the children of Israel is Hashem's beloved firstborn nation. Moshe says, remember when you come out of Egypt, remember that that. Hashem is going to take care of all your enemies. We'll get rid of them. We'll bring you to a land flowing with milk and honey. And you're going to remember this. You're going to eat the matzos on the, the seven days. Hashem is going to act on our on our behalf and remember it. That Hashem acted as your intermediary. Hashem was the one that took you out of Egypt without a real intermediary. Hashem was the one that took us out. Remember this how as a sign on your arm as a reminder between your eyes so that Hashem's Torah may be in your mouth 
for with a strong hand Hashem took you out of Egypt. You shall observe this, observe this at the right time year to year. And then people say also the one from Shemos, not part of Davening, later on is the actual aspects of the Tfilos, but this is what many people say. It comes to pass when Hashem brings you to the land that He's given to you, and He is able to sanctify those firstborn males, redeem them, and make sure to understand that Hashem took us out from Egypt with a strong hand. He redeemed us as the firstborn, and we are like His firstborn nation. So remember it on your arms as a sign for your arms and totafos between your eyes, for with a strong hand Hashem took you out of Egypt. And this is what we're supposed to say, what we're supposed to connect, we're supposed to realize before anything else in davening, besides for Taos, which God willing, hopefully we'll talk about another time, hopefully next week or soon. And this is what we say literally after rising up in the day, the Moda'ani and Rishas Chachma. This is what we say right after Titsis, right after Talis. This is what we say. This is what we're supposed to connect to. This is what we're supposed to realize and we're supposed to do to connect to Hashem, to connect to this great, great being. Hashem gives us ways to connect to Him. Hashem gives us aspects to try to find that connection, to try to find that relationship. How do you connect to a burning fire? How do you connect to someone who's not anything, who's someone that's not something, to someone who's beyond any human comprehension, to this burning fire that is the Creator, that is Hashem, that is the Creator and the King of all kings, we connect through the aspects that He gave, through all the mitzvahs, through all the aspects. We wrap ourselves in His embrace in the talus, which is actually one of my favorite, favorite religious items to have. I think it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. God willing, we'll talk about that, hopefully. But the tefillin are also a beautiful, beautiful connection. They're literally the straps of life. They literally are life-saving. The way that they're set up, the aspect that is connecting to Hashem, it's a beautiful thing. I will bind you to me forever. And we can connect to Hashem, and we should be the Zoha to have that connection every day, but if we can try to guide ourselves through the eyes and the lens of the tefillin, to be that connection to Hashem, to bind ourselves to connection, not worrying about things that don't lead us to greater sanctification of God's name, what can we do each day through mitzvahs, through chesed, through aspects? Mahu rachum af rachum. Mahu malbish af malbish. doesn't talk about how much money you're going to make in the Gemara. When it talks about emulating God, it's not important. It doesn't talk about how big your house is. Not important. It doesn't talk about how many cars you have or how many stocks you have. None of that is important. It's all Narshkeit after 120 years. It's not going to be with you. It doesn't matter how much you accumulate. It's all gone. What really is important, what really comes with you, are the connections you make are the mitzvahs you accomplish. How much did you connect to Hashem? How much did you emulate Hashem? How much were you really to Hashem your whole life? Hashem clothes others. You can clothe others easy. They come to our community every year. I'm very excited every time they come. Whatever we could donate through Yad Leah, they give the clothing to Israel. They take shoes, they take toys, they take clothing. And oftentimes we give whatever we can. There's a, a dedicated bin that's clear out every so often at a nearby store. I love dropping things in there, whether it's shoes or coats or clothes, whatever. Hashem was the one that first clothed man. We can clothe others as well. Hashem did Achnasas Orachim. He sent people and through his emissary Avram, that was one of his greatest, greatest mitzvahs. Hashem was bigger Cholim when he came to Avram. We too should try. 
Whatever Hashem does, you should try to do. If Hashem is wearing the tefillin, it behooves us to think about tefillin itself. Whatever it means that Hashem is wearing tefillin, we don't really understand. But on some level, in some aspect, He wears them because it's beloved to His nation, to Himself, to connect to them. Sanctify to me every Bechor because the Jewish people are my Bechor. He talks about Shema. Listen to Hashem. Hashem is one. Hashem is the one and only in the world. And if you follow in His ways, you will see the blessings. If you could be like Hashem, the Tefillin teach us to connect to Hashem, to bind ourselves to Hashem. How do we do so? Through following His ways, through doing mitzvahs, doing chesed, doing Torah. Obviously, we're not angels. We're not malachim. Obviously, we're going to stumble and fall. Sheva Yipol come. One of my favorite phrases, I believe from Shoma Melch, maybe in Kohelis. No, maybe in Mishle, actually. We have to get up and do what we can in our waking hours, especially during the day when we have more energy. And this is one of the first things we say every day, before everything else, before the brachos, before matovu, before shema even. We put on the tefillin to understand that we're supposed to wrap ourselves in Hashem. And we're supposed to connect to ourselves, to wrap ourselves, and to bind ourselves to Hashem in the straps of life. So next time you see tefillin, if you're not a male, or next time you put on the tefillin, if you are a Jewish Orthodox male, or next time you see the tefillin in general, think about the beautiful connection, the beautiful binding that is the tefillin, the beautiful straps that they are, that they are life-saving. And even if you have them from a long time ago, there's a way to feel refreshed and replenished. New boxes, checking the straps, replacing the straps, polishing the boxes, polishing the straps, getting new bags, getting new zippers, if they have holy aspects to them, not that they're not H-O-L-Y but they have H-O-L-E, a lot of holes in them, fix them if you wouldn't let your car have dents and scratches would you let your tefillin have dents and scratches, would you let your bags be ripped, old and fraying no, I would hope not the tefillin are a beautiful way to sanctify ourselves to Hashem. And God willing, we'll talk about others, including the talis, I really hope so, when I find the notes. But these are ways to beautify the missiles to connect to Hashem. If Hashem wears them and they're pristine, whatever that means, kaviachal, so should ours. And so should they be seen as a beautiful thing, a wonderful thing, that we should connect to them and look at them and understand that they're literally life-saving. Whether you're thinking about Rabbi Katz and Alabogan, who was saved from his life by the bullet that should have went to him, but went into him into his other body of the tefillin itself or whether you think about the people the hundred thousand people who were saved by the guy with the tefillin the guy himself who was saved by taking his tefillin off of the flight whether you think about the person that was able to help two young boys who had no money no tefillin he checked them that night before and that next day they had the tefillin taken care of and he and his wife were saved from certain death their car was totaled but their life was spared. You think about the Talmud, you think about Elisha, who defied the, the, the great empire's decrees. Very, very, very difficult thing to do. You think about someone else who came to Judaism, started putting on the tefillin, and you think about how it has cardiovascular health benefits. You think about someone in the depths of Gehenim who puts on the tefillin, who looks for the tefillin, who rejoices in his life that he has the ability to put on the tefillin. How often people take it for granted. Everyone gets a set of tefillin nowadays. Everyone tries to buy a pair of tefillin, whether it be the regular or mahudur or mahudur and mahudur. These people in Gehenna were so happy just to put on tefillin. So next time you put on tefillin, next time you have zechus to put on tefillin, look at them, appreciate them, connect to Hashem with them, ponder a little bit the beautiful verses, the beautiful sukkim, think about how we could connect to Hashem better to connect to the binding fire, finding in Hashem, following in Hashem's ways with His Torah, Mitzvah, and Chesed each day, 
every single day. This has been Tiny Talks Radio, where we talk about a topic for the week for the audience members to keep. Join us next time, God willing, same place, same time, here on Tiny Talks Radio, and I'm your host, Tani. <laughs>